alignment is 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 everything. You know, it, it really is. It's 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 alignment is everything. I think networking. There's an art to networking. I think it's really really important. Um, I think young coaches uh, have to realize that um, that you you got to gain experience. And you can't Google experience. You, you can Google a lot of things, but you can't Google experience. So you have to be willing to gain that experience. You might have to go here um, and be the video coordinator uh, and then take another move in this position as director of basketball operations. But you always have to start with the end game in mind. And alignment is really important. One thing that I would suggest and recommend to anybody trying to get into profession is look and identify people um, that you aspire to, to be like, um, uh, whether it's as a coach or as a person, you know, their leadership style, their style of play, and then study them, you know, and then make strategic moves to get to know them um, and then start to navigate your career that way um, and be authentic. Don't be trans, you know, transparent, you know, but be, um, and don't have transactional relationships. Try to have authentic relationships. So learn how to network because I really believe that a person's ability to network can eventually lead to their net worth. So if you can do that strategically, then alignment is really important because word of mouth uh, is really helpful in this business. So you want to make sure that you, you have a good reputation. So you want to guard your reputation um, and you want to make sure that you uh, are being strategic about the steps that you that you make. I want to create something that I wish my younger self could have had when I first entered the profession, which is a platform to serve and impact the next generation of coaches. Young coaches, young professionals, young leaders, they need to see black faces and they need to um, know their story. Personal lives are generally publicized within our profession. So our platform will be very unique because our guests will all share their powerful stories to help our listeners unlock their potential greatness. Guys, y'all are in for a treat for this episode right here. Um, we had the pleasure of sitting down and interviewing Kevin Sutton, he is an assistant men's basketball coach at Rhode Island, um, but he's so, so much more, um, just like the rest of our guests, so much more than, um, you know, their job as coaches or whatever they are. But let me tell you, we we got deep in this episode. Um, Kevin Sutton is a, a highly accomplished um, coach, an uh, individual leader, um, you know, and there's a lot of things that you can Google, you can go on his website, you can you can learn a lot about him. Um, however, um, the things that we discussed in in our episode here, you won't find anywhere else. And I and I can guarantee you that me and Nick did our research and we was like, oh yeah. Um we we gotta get we gotta know um what what it is about you, your makeup and everything else that makes you um who you are and and that the reason for your accomplishments, because that's that's really what our podcast is about, is bringing out how to um, have success through the struggle um, and through those things that you may be dealing with um, as a person, as a human um, and in this profession or in any profession that could be very competitive. Uh, one thing I really 
um, enjoyed about this episode is how vulnerable um, Kevin was about his story, um, about his history. Uh, one thing we like to do is deconstruct and figure out what what are some similarities of things that we, we learn from our guests, right? And one thing um, that was really interesting about Kevin is that um, he was mentored at a very young age. He got started in coaching um, at a very young age and had success um, pretty early on. So um, from there, it's like, okay, I'm good at this. Now what do I do? Now it's time to lead. Now it's time to help others. Um, as you can see in this episode, he, he describes himself as a teacher, not just a coach, a leader and a teacher. And you will clearly see that when we um, have this conversation with them is that, you know, coaching, I won't, I won't say it came easy for him, but he got, he got his coaching bug at an early age and through his career and through navigating through the college coaching profession, um, you, you, you learn other things. You learn about um, how to navigate through competitive environments. You learn more about yourself. You learn how to deal with your ego. You learn how to deal with um, becoming the best version of yourself. And those are the things that we brought out in this episode and that we dug in we dug into um and yeah you're really gonna enjoy this man i'm gonna tell you now like this one uh i was real excited to do this one obviously i was excited to do all of them and the reason why was because i've been a fan of kevin sutton um since i was a graduate assistant at mississippi state um i had a chance to hear him talk um at a rising coaches event in vegas and uh you know, I, I was sitting obviously at the front row and it's, you know, over a hundred and some um, different guests there uh, listening to a, a variety of different speakers throughout the those few days. And, uh, you know, once Kevin was done, you know, he handed me his notes, handed me his cards, told me to reach out to him. I obviously didn't know who I was. And, um, and I actually, I think I did. I think I reached out to him probably a week later. I hit him with an email. Um and he sent me back some words of wisdom. And I mean, this was back in about 2012, 2013. I think he was at George Washington or maybe at Georgetown. I think he was at Georgetown. I just got to Georgetown. But I've always, you know, kind of been someone that admired him from afar. And obviously, when you go back, like you said earlier, and you look at his accomplishments, you see he's had a ton of success at all levels, right? And when we made the decision to have him a part of this platform, that is not what was on my mind. None of those accomplishments were on my mind. The only thing I wanted to really do was I wanted to get beneath the surface of who Kevin Sutton truly was. Right. Because I'm going to be honest. I mean, and again, I, I wouldn't be myself if I wasn't, um, I think Kevin Sutton is a hell of a coach. You know what I mean? I think he's a hell of a coach. I think a lot of people across, you know, this profession will probably say that. But at the same time, unless you're in Kevin Sutton's circle, you probably don't really know who Kevin Sutton truly is because all you see is a lot of, of the good, right? And obviously he's been he's been fired. He, you know, he was at Pittsburgh. I know he got let go there. But I really want to know, like you said earlier, we what what make you excellent? what make you special and the fact that he was able to come on our show and be vulnerable and be transparent and be unapologetically authentic. I commend him. Um, because to me, that is the true definition of a black excellence. 
Um, he taught so much, you know what I mean? And obviously, I know it probably wasn't something he wanted to do initially, but he talked so much, you know, about things that I think is really going to truly be able to impact and empower everybody, not just young coaches, not just older coaches, but people in all walks of life. Because again, like I said, he is someone that has shown an immeasurable amount of, of success at all levels, but he, he can also let you know there comes other things along that journey. Um, fighting with his ego. You understand what I'm saying? Like, he wants to be a head coach. I know he do. And in due time, hopefully he gets that opportunity. But he also has done a lot of self-awareness and say, you know what? This is what God wants for me. And if this is the lane he wants me to stay in as an assistant coach, I'm going to make sure I impact and I serve these people the best way I can from the top down. You know what I mean? From head coach all the way down to the managers, to the players, to the assistants, to the sports staff. Like he's someone, like he said, he's he's trying to create living trophies. Um, and so when you guys listen to this conversation, you know, really, really be very open minded so you can hear the the viewpoint of who Kevin Sutton truly is internally. Um, because I know I learned a lot about him. I continue to even became even a better fan, a bigger fan, I would say, um, once the conversation was over with. And uh, I look forward to you guys enjoying it just as well. Absolutely, Nick. Um, you hit some really good points there. One thing that people don't realize is that me and you, we prep like hours and hours for these guests to come on. And um, one thing that we really want to do is peel back the layers. That's that's why this, this platform exists, because... Um, what your story, who, whatever your story is, is going to help somebody else is, is, is what is not displayed on the surface, right? Um, and one thing that really helped me um, talking with Kevin is that, you know, I, I felt like we were kind of similar in some ways in, um, in a sense where not necessarily spoiled, but I would say blessed when it came to our circle growing up, um, having a huge support system, having really good mentors and pretty much saying that you're destined for greatness. Like just, you know, and that's where the piece where, you know, you, you wrestle with yourself, like, okay, God going to test that. Right. So, all right, what you're going to, what are you going to do with this talent that you have? Um, what are you going to do with this platform that you have? Um, you might, it might've, you might've thought it was easy. You might've thought it was like, okay, boom, you get in there, have success you know, kind of um, what it looks like may be seamless, but now we got to test your character. Now we got to test um, your willingness to serve. Now we got to test your patience. Um, and that really helped me because I felt like I related to him um, in those ways. And also being vulnerable, we're going to test that. Are you going to continue to be vulnerable even when you get hurt? Right. Because, you know, he, he talked about vulnerability being his the greatest strength and can sometimes be um, a huge weakness. And I can relate to that as well. And it's like, do you do you become cold and stop serving or do you lean on your faith and keep going? So um, this like like Nick said, I really hope you guys, um, you know, look past, you know, the, the NBA players that he might have coached or the highly successful um, accomplishments that he may have on the basketball court 
and really understand how he has navigated himself um, in in becoming the best version of himself, whatever the goal may be. So those things can manifest itself based off what you do on the inside. And literally, that is why this platform exists right here. So get your pen, get your notebook um, and get ready to be transformed, be ready to, you know, just just really be um, opened up by this conversation here because it it will blow you away. All right. Here's our interview with Kevin Sutton. We are back with Coach Kevin Sutton, assistant men's basketball coach at Rhode Island. Welcome to the show, Coach. Thanks for being here uh, with us. Thank you so much. I, I, am, I feel honored to have the opportunity to, to be on the Black Excellence podcast because I'm a, I'm a fan of, your, of, your, of the work that you and Nick are doing. Awesome. As he said, guys, this is the Black Excellence in Sports podcast. We interview those who we believe have demonstrated Black excellence. We want to hear their story, their voice, and use their testimony to inspire others to unlock their greatness. Coach, when you hear black excellence, what comes to mind when you hear that phrase? It's a beautiful phrase, first and foremost. Uh, Black excellence to me is being unapologetically authentic. It starts with understanding who you are, you know, what your why is, and using your platform to impact as many lives as you possibly can in a positive way and uh, create living trophies. To me, that is what black excellence means. Coach, can you talk about... Um, some people that have demonstrated black excellence in their life? Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I have been really fortunate, uh, Nick and Aisha, uh, uh, throughout my coaching career, throughout my life, actually. Let me just start again. Uh, throughout my life, um, I had I grew up in a neighborhood uh, seven miles outside of Washington, D.C., called Falls Church, Virginia. Tommy Amaker, uh, head coach at Harvard, is my first cousin. And uh, we, we grew up in an area um, back in you know, the 70s, uh, where, you know, going to college was was a dream. And uh, we were fortunate enough in our neighborhood that we got a pass uh, because the generation that went before us that were ex- excellent athletes, they didn't make that opportunity to go and have that opportunity to go on to college. So Tommy and I and, and my cousins, uh, all of our around the same age, Butchie, Bobby and Tom, uh, JJ, we, we got a pass and everybody in our neighborhood made sure that uh, we didn't fall, you know, uh, through the cracks and, and we went on and went to college and we all did. So those guys, you know, stand as mentors, you know, to us, to me. Um, and then as I continue to have the opportunities that I've had through this game of basketball, you know, uh, I've had great coaches and people that poured into me. Uh, my father was my first uh, football coach. And then he put me around different coaches uh, that poured into my life and as a person, first and foremost, poured into my life as a student and then poured into my life as an athlete. Um, and then I went on and played at uh, uh, Flint Hill and uh, so the prep school uh, and my high school coach was Stu Vetter. He's a Hall of Fame coach. He, uh, he poured into me even more and he continued to he continues to serve as a mentor to me today. And then uh, my AAU coach, uh, who just passed away, his name is Reginald Kitchen, uh, came down from Philadelphia, and he took all of us. We were from the suburbs of Washington, D.C., and then he was the first person that took us into Washington, D.C. to compete against uh, the the players in there. And then he took us up and down the eastern seaboard, you know, all the way from Florida, all the way up to New York, and every stop in between, Baltimore, Philly, wherever there was, you know, good, uh, good basketball being played, he exposed us to that. And he told us that this is what we could become. 
and he's still, uh, you know, like I said, he just passed away and, and, and he still serves as a, as a, as a, a beacon of light to me, an inspiration to me and a mentor. And then, um, I'm really fortunate enough to have a close relationship with, uh, with George Ravel. George Ravelin is a tra tremendous uh, mentor to me and uh, in every aspect of my life. So those are the people that have, you know, you know f formulated who Kevin Sutton is today. And I'm really happy and honored to have the opportunity to, to, to have them as my mentors. And those are the people that have inspired me to, to continue to chase my dream. That's awesome, Coach. Um, I like to say George Ravelin is my long lost um, grandfather. <laughs> um, I heard him speak on a podcast before as well. And, you know, the stuff that he talked about him um, holding the, the you see, I got Martin Luther King on my on my wall here. I know he has a speech. Um, so, you know, that that's awesome that you you get to be mentored by somebody like that and everybody else that you named. Um but I want to go back to what you talked about living trophies when you when you opened up with the Black Excellence question. Mm -hmm. So um, I know you have the, the living trophies um, platform and I know you invite guests to come and kind of share their story. Can you elaborate on what 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 is a living trophy um, and what what do you think about when you um, qualify somebody else as a living trophy to, to bring on your platform? Um, an outstanding question. Uh, Living Trophies was a phrase that I came up with um, when I was a head coach uh, at Montverde Academy and my team um, won, went 30-0 and and won a national championship. And so a reporter came up to me and said, um, in one word, can you describe this team? And, uh, and I told him, I said, I, I don't have one word that can truly describe, you know, this team because Nick and Aisha, they were a collection of unique individuals uh, coming from countries uh, from Africa, coming from Lithuania, coming from uh, Russia, coming from Poland, because it was an international boarding school. So we all came together and coming from different states here in the United States. And they were all committed student athletes. They were committed to getting their education. They were outstanding people. And they were really good. We were a really good basketball team and formulated our program. So I told the reporter, I said, these uh, young men are my living trophies. And I say all the time, when we as leaders, and uh, I don't call myself a coach, I call myself a leader and an educator, uh, because I wanna positively impact as many lives as I possibly can with the platform that the Lord has given me. And that platform is uh, the ability to communicate and also the game of, and using the game of basketball. So uh, a living trophy, uh, is represents what I feel a coach's responsibility is, is to be a ladle that pours into the people that we serve. Um, and when we pour into them and touch their lives and hear their stories and hear their dreams, and then we can help them along the way. And then that they go off and become those and they accomplish those dreams and they become what they, they had set out to be they become your living trophies because they're human beings and they're alive. We all want to win trophies and we all have won trophies and we put those in a trophy case and they just stay there. Um, I want to do so much more. And so living trophies has become uh, a phrase that I've, I've coined and my mantra and what I want to live my life by as an educator and as a coach. To answer your question, um, what I'm trying to do with the Living Trophy Master Zoom class platform is to raise the level of awareness 
about being a professional in this business. Uh, we all love this game of basketball, um, but we all also have learned that it is a business. And the sooner that you can uh, learn that it is a business, then you can successfully prepare yourself to be and navigate your coaching career to be as successful as you possibly can be. So with my platform, I bring people on there um, that can, that are first and foremost, that are willing to share, share their time, share their knowledge, share their, their experiences with my audience and the people that I call my tribe. And so uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to develop professionals. We're not trying to develop pros. Coach, before I, um, before I shift and take the, and take a detour back to the mentor question, I want to send my condolences to you. Um, Cause I know earlier you said that one of your mentors passed away. So um, I want to send my condolences from me and, and each as well. Um, but something you said earlier um, when you stated your mentor passed away uh, for me, I know that when I think of legacy, I don't think of what someone leaves behind physically. I think of what they leave within you. And I know you said for all your mentors, collectively, they formulated Kevin Sutton. What did that particular mentor leave within you that you can address to us and and share with our audience today? Uh, Absolutely, Nick. Uh, uh, I I define legacy the exact same way. Uh, uh, Legacy is not what you leave for people. It's what you leave in people. Uh, Because what we leave in people is so much more lasting. It goes hand in hand with the living trophy, you know, uh, analogy. When you leave things in people, then they can continue to share those things and move them and pay them forward. Uh, Reginald Kitchen uh, came into my life when I was at, uh, at age 12. And I was at a crossroads, to be really honest with you. Um, I, I mentioned to you before that my neighborhood had given me a pass. My uncles and, and the older, older players in the neighborhood had given me a pass. It, you know, I was untouchable. Tommy was untouchable. We, we were never to be around the negative things that were going in, on in our neighborhood because those people protected us. So Reggie, Reggie Kitchen came, in, came, in, came into my life at a very pivotal time. I um, was very fortunate to uh, have a praying grandmother who wore the big hat in church. So she was a matriarch at, at the church. Um, and I had a, my, my mom and my parents are, are, are wonderful. But at age 12 and 13, I was at that crossroads. That was the age that I was given the opportunity to, I didn't have to go to church anymore. I was given the opportunity to make the decision if I wanted to go to church. And I chose not to. To, to go to church. Um, I chose to, at that time, go shoot, shoot a, a, at the rec center. And interesting enough, if you shot on the right side of the basket, you looked up at the church. So guess what side of the court I shot on? Was on the left side. <laughs> so you know, I shot, so I didn't have to see the church where I should have been. Um, and so Kitchen came into my life and he told me that I, I, could, I could have both. And he told me that I had a talent and the talent came from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I was like, wow, I can, I don't have to have, I don't have to make a decision. I really truly can have both of these worlds, you know? And he continued to pour life lessons into us. Uh, We would start practice and go layup lines and then he would call us to the baseline and we would stand on the baseline and he would just tell a story after story after story. Um, he was really good friends with John Chaney and he was just telling us what we could do and the things that, that were important. 
you know, uh, how to be a good person, that you didn't have to compromise, that you didn't have to, you know, cut every corner and, you know, turn a square into a circle, that if you aspire and you chase your dreams, um, even if you don't reach them, it's, it's the pursuit. And at age 12 and 13 and 14, and when I was starting to make decisions, I just continued to, to listen to them. And then I started to, after I, I started to listen to him, and then I started to hear what he was saying and understand what he was saying, then I started to believe in him. You know, and then once he, 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 I started to believe in him, then I started to buy into what he was saying. And then when, he, when I bought into what he was saying, I'm, I'm 56 years old, 35, 35 years in his coaching business, and I am reciting verbatim the things that he told me at age 12. That's legacy. That's good stuff, coach. That's good stuff. Um, thank you for sharing that. I could definitely relate to um, knowing that you can have both and knowing that you can, you don't have to make a decision either or. Um, and the reason why I can, I can definitely relate to that is because when I, when I was growing up, you know, my mom ran an AU team and on Sundays we was at the Boom Sportsplex. Um, you know, we was playing AU games all weekend. <clears throat> so it, it always felt like, you know, we, we had to choose. Um, and my, my grandmother made my, my mom and all my aunts and uncles go to church. So my mom didn't want to force that on me. So we just went to the gym. Um, you know, I just felt like, okay, you know, I'm trying to be a division one basketball player. So I'm just going, if I'm good at basketball, I can be a division one basketball. It don't matter what you believe in. Um, so I didn't really get that realization until I was done with school and done being a basketball player was like, no, you really need, uh, you really need God. And then, um, another thing, you know, getting in the profession and trying to learn like, okay, I don't see any coaches who are, you know, high on a pedestal, things like that, or very successful talking about faith. So like, you know, can you have both? Can you have both? And, you know, being at Kentucky, I, I was able to see that you can have both because one, Coach Mitchell, who had just retired, he was b really big on faith. Um, and that was one of the best things that I could have done was to um, to come here and see not only him, but a lot of the coaching staff just being big on faith and seeing what type of platform and pedestal and, you know, and the coaching, the coaching ranks they're on. So um, I definitely can relate to that. Um, I want to transition here. Um, you know, let's talk about, you know, some, some ups and downs that you have had in this profession. And also um, I'm, I'll, we'll start with this question. Um, what, what separates you as a black man? And um, you know, how, how do you use that, you know, one as a weapon, one, you know, as a strength? Um, I, I think what separates me um, is the fact that I, I'm self-aware. I, I know what my strengths are. I know what my weaknesses are. And um, I use, I don't mind being vulnerable. And when I am vulnerable, uh, I understand that it's, it's a strength and it's not a weakness. Um, but that comes with, understanding who you are. I, I've done the, what I call the hard work where I have uh, figuratively turned, you know, my face around and looked inside of myself and see what are my negotiables, what are my non-negotiables, the things that I value. Um, and so in doing that, uh, I, I have become self-actualized and, and it's really helped me to identify and connect with the people that are 
like-minded that understand me and, and, and have always poured into me and appreciated what I bring to the proverbial table, you know? Uh, and I try to stay away from those things that will, um, that I have to, to compromise because I don't want to compromise my integrity. I don't want to compromise, you know, my values. I don't want to compromise my faith. Um, so if it means that, that my road is a winding road to get to my uh, inevitable goal, I'm okay with that because I have also been in situations where um, I was chasing things uh, that God did not have planned for me. And I had to be taught, you know, those uh, life lessons. And, uh, and I'm glad that I have been taught those life lessons because it's made me um, who I am today. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a child of God. I, I am a man who is, uh, you know, happily married. I am a, a father of four kids um, and also a father of 12 other kids that, will, that my wife and I have, have, have raised, you know, through uh, you know, the, what we do in this coaching profession. And, uh, and I'm really happy with the fact that, I, that I'm a man of faith and that it, it, my, I'm okay with, you know, standing on that faith and using the game of basketball and having both of those things being authentic, uh, you know, about it. Coach, I think a lot of us can look at your bio and see the strengths that you have within this profession. But what are those weaknesses that you have had to, to grow from? Yeah, I, I, I've had to grow in a lot of, a lot of ways. Um, you know, I, I've had to, I've endured being, being fired, um, you know, uh, you know, been on, being on staff, I've been let go, you know, things that have, that kind of knock you back, you know, uh, and I've built programs that are really, really successful. You know, most recently uh, at Montbird Academy, I, I took a program that I would say, Nick, nine people out of 10 would have went down there to uh, Montbird and would not have taken a job. But I saw the vision, I saw the potential. And I went down there and built a program that, that I had always had in my heart and had in my mind uh, to do. And then um, being let go from there, that was, a, a, you know, for no apparent, you know, apparent reason other than the fact that the vision had, had with, my, with me and the headmaster had that, at that point had, had changed. And um, I was the coach, he was the headmaster, so guess who stayed? <laughs> but I, I also look at that as a time where, you know, uh, the human side of me and my ego uh, took a bruise, but it changed and, you know, helped me look inwardly to use that, you know, setback, you know, um, into a, you know, a stepping stone to propel me, you know, because God sometimes, he, he has to do things to make us move, even though he's sending us, you know, uh, giving us hints. Sometimes, you know, we don't see the hints, you know, and there were hints. Um, and, and the mistakes that, that were made, some of them were mine. But he made it happen. And now I'm, uh, I've been at the collegiate level ever since. And, and I've worked at some, uh, some incredible uh, universities, you know, George Washington University, Georgetown University, University of Pittsburgh, and now Rhode Island. And I've worked with some incredible coaches um, that have continued to pour into me. Um, I think, uh, one of my biggest strengths is, 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 is allowing myself to be vulnerable. And clearly one of my biggest weaknesses is, is my vulnerability. 
So, so that's, that's how it often works out as we, as, as believers, as we know, some of our greatest strengths oftentimes are our greatest weaknesses. Um, but all in all, I, I am, I've had a blessed you know career and continue to have a blessed career and will continue to learn from every situation that I'm in. And uh, I really try to uh, leave a place better than I found it. Coach, you mentioned in one of your um, answers um, about chasing things that God didn't have for you or that wasn't um, meant for you and things like that. And you learning a lot of life lessons through that situation or those uh, those processes. Um, I could definitely relate to that. Um, I'm not um, I'm pretty young in my career, but I can definitely relate to getting off track and chasing things that that wasn't really for me. Um, so can you talk to our listeners and kind of elaborate on what are, what were some things that you ended up chasing that weren't for you and, you know, how did God, um, teach you those lessons? Yeah. Um, I had aspired, let me just go back a little bit. Um, you know, I got on my coaching uh, path, uh, right out of college. I was a student assistant coach at James Madison university, uh, play there for three years and then get right into coaching. And the reason why I got right into coaching is because every summer I would go back, drive the two hours back up to Northern Virginia DMV area, and I would coach my high school's uh, summer league team. And back in the Washington, D.C. area at that time, the summer leagues were incredible. They were, they were almost like regular season games. You're playing against Damatha, you're playing against Dunbar, you're playing against, you know, unbelievable teams. So it was a great learning you know, experience for me because I had to uh, take classes and then drive up and I had to conduct practices and then I had to coach the games and then I would drive back to school on, on Sunday and then do it all again. So my college coach, John Thurston, you know, found out about it and he called me into his office and he says, I know you want to get into coaching. And uh, he gave me an opportunity. Uh, to get into coaching. And so I was in coaching, uh, high school coaching for 10 years and uh, a a great deal of accomplishments, a a lot of great players. Um, And so then uh, in year 1999, I became uh, a head high school coach at Montrose Christian. That was my first program that I built. And we were 32 and five. We had Marvin Lewis. Uh, he, he's now the uh, athletic direct, assistant athletic director at George, uh, Georgia Tech. We had a kid named Jason Conley who went to VMI and led the nation in scoring. Levi Watkins, who's assistant coach at uh, um, Mississippi. Um, so we had a lot of talented players. Rob, Rob Monroe, who's a thousand point scorer, Quinnipiac. Um, but I had always aspired to be a high school coach. And then when I had an opportunity to go to Old Dominion to coach with uh, big, uh, big uh, Jeff Capel, I jumped at it. But I really believe um, that wasn't what God had for me. He, he provided an opportunity, but I don't think that's what God had for me. Um, I probably should have stayed at the high school level um, at that time um, because I was going to build a really good program at, at Montrose Christian. And being a head coach was really important to me because I had aspired to be that but I jumped at the opportunity to be a college head coach and God's timing. You know, I was, I was out of line with God's timing. And I think you guys can understand that. And so subsequently uh, we went there for two years. Uh, Big Jeff was uh, let go. And now I am at a crossroads again. Uh, first time I've ever been, you know, let go. And in this business, those t- things start to type to, to stick to you. You know, it may be out of your control, but then people try to say, well, you're on a staff that got let go. You got fired. And that was the first time I had that, that ever happened to me. So I really got, you know, knocked back and thank God I had a, 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 my faith was always strong. 
So I went to Bishop McNamara for two years, built a solid program there. Uh, Taiwan Lawson, we had a lot of pros. And then I went on to, to, to Montrose Christian, I'm excuse me, Montbert Academy. And that's when I really, you know, learned how, what program I wanted to have. And then when we talked about it before, uh, you know, dealing with a lot of expectations and the vision started to change. I understand that now it's a business. Uh, so those are things that you have to learn. You know, you, 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 you can't, um, my dad used to always say, you can learn the tricks of the trade, but at some point you're gonna have to learn to trade. And he was exactly right. I mean, I, I had a great careers, but when I got fired or let go, I learned so much more, you know, taught me resolve. It taught me perseverance. It taught me to, uh, look at it and see the mistakes that you made. And when you understand that and you stay, you know, in accordance with what your ultimate goals are, it helped me define who I was. And so I look back now and just say, those were, those are true blessings. And so it, and I don't recommend it. <laughs> I'm not saying everybody needs to be fired, but I think we all have to look at situations uh, and see the blessing in them and learn from them. Uh, and continue to, uh, you know, navigate your career successfully as you possibly can. Coach Sutton, I'm, I'm curious to hear your answer to this. How do you fight the battle and urge of wanting to be in the leadership role? Yeah, that, that, that's, that's a great question. That's a question that I get uh, asked often. And, and my answer is, you know, uh, I'm rooted in my faith. I am planted and grounded in, in, in my faith. Um, I take my ego and I, and I check it at the door, to be really honest with you. I, I put it aside. You know, when God has it for me, he's going to deliver it for me. And it, that hasn't had the, op- I haven't had the opportunity yet. So that means God hasn't had it for me, you know? Um, and I really truly believe that. And, but I've had to come with the, come to that realization um, to continue to stay grounded in my faith to know that God hasn't had uh, provided that opportunity for me yet, because if you stay in this world and, and you think from a fleshly standpoint, instead of a spiritual standpoint, then yeah, you're, you, you'll get all messed, messed up. You know, your ego will, will, will have you thinking a lot of different things, Nick. Uh, and, and I didn't want to do that. You know, it, your ego can have you, you know, saying, Hey, why, why am I not the head coach at such and such? Why have, why have I been passed over? Uh, I, I understand it and recognize that what it for, for what it is. I'm going to continue to, to bloom wherever I'm planted. I'm going to do uh, as I'm going to do a great job wherever I go because I'm a professional. Uh, I, I know what it takes and I'm really fortunate enough to be on uh, here at the University of Rhode Island to work with uh, David Cox and help him build a program that he's building. Um, one thing that we all, we, we uh, us three, we know is that Joshua was the actual person who led the people into the promised land. So if I can be a great Joshua, then when my opportunity comes, then I'm going to lead the people into the promised land. I'm prepared. I know that I am, but the opportunity hasn't been afforded to me yet, but that doesn't make me any less uh, have less than any of the of the impact that I have. Uh, um, that I, you know, my title doesn't define me. I, I am as impactful in my position right now as an assistant coach at the University of Rhode Island as, as if I was the head coach. 
You know, so when you work, when you work with people that allow you to be who you are, then you're, you, then you go be who you are. But when you work for people who want to put you in a box and label you and give you a title, then you're limiting yourself. I'm not going to ever do that. I did that once and it was, uh, and I chased money on that one and I made a huge mistake and I'm never going to make that mistake again, you know? So I'm going to be who I am, wherever I am for as long as I can be there and have as much impact as I possibly can in the position that I'm given. Amen. Amen. We're not just going to skip over that. Uh, we're not just going to skip over that. Um, Coach, love what you said about when you can work with people who allow you to be who you are. Um, one common theme that we find on our podcast and, um, and the people that we interview and something that Nick and I talk about a bunch, even when we were both back at CMO, something we talked about is being yourself. Um, you know, that's one thing that kind of me and him, we kind of hang our hats on is being who we are, knowing who we are and trying to become the best version of ourselves. So um, I definitely wanted to say that again for our listeners is that it is is about being who you are and not letting um, a title um, define you because they don't. Um, because if they do, then, you know, when that title's taken away, then everything that you hang your head on is taken away. And who wants that type of life? Um, yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up. I'm so glad that you shared that. Um, I want to go back to what you talked about, um, knowing the tricks of the trade. Um, cause that, cause that could be very, um, shocking, humbling, when you get into this business and like you said, find out that you know, this is a business. Um, so uh, I want to go back to when you were first getting into business or when you first found out that this is a business, what was that moment like? Um, and kind of what, what, what transpired from that? What did you learn when you found out like, oh man, this is a business. And then also what you want to help other young people learn that this is a business as well. Yeah, you know what? That, that, that's a phenomenal question. Uh, I, I first learned it at Old Dominion University. I had the opportunity to coach uh, Jason Capel for two years at, at St. John's Prospect Hall. We were uh, 50 and one, and we lost one game to Mark Karcher by one point. And then I developed a strong relationship with his older brother, uh, Jason, I'm excuse me, uh, Jeffrey Capel, who was at Duke and he played for Tommy Amaker there. So I knew the Capel family very, very well. Um, and so when I, when coach Capel offered me a job at old dominion, um, I took it and I, and I, because I was comfortable with him and I was comfortable with the family and I believed in what he was doing at old dominion. He had a level of success, but when I, when I got there, I quickly learned, um, you know, that it was, a, it was a business because we were there for two years. And I thought Coach Capel did a tremendous job of holding our team together. Old Dominion was in a transitional period, as you well know, being from the Tidewater area. Um, the facilities were limited at that time and the resources were, 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 were limited at that time. But we were successful in the Colonial Conference, but not to the level that they, they wanted to make a change. And, and, and I didn't see that you know, and understand that they, you know, why would you want to make a change? This guy's, a, you know, is a very good coach, but they allocated more money to, to, to the Ted Constance center. And they did some more things once coach Capel was gone. And that's when I really, that's when I realized I said, well, yeah, this is a business here. That was a business decision that they made to get rid of coach Capel um, because there were some benefactors that really were ready to pour into the program, but not under his leadership. Okay, and subsequently they made a decision 
we, we, we had not one quote unquote enough. Um, and they went into a different direction with Blaine Taylor and poured resources into it. That's when I knew that this was a business and that you have to understand that it is a business, you know, um, and the, when you do understand that it's a business, then, then you can, as the individual, you can start making strategic decisions with your career as to who you want to align with, what programs you want to be a part of and how, which jobs you're, 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 you're willing to take uh, and what decisions you're, 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 you're not going to take. Uh, so all of that stuff factors into to it when it comes down to loving the game but learning that it is a business. So I try to talk about that as often as I can um, to help people understand that, you know, we love this game of basketball, but it is a business and decisions that are made sometimes are out of your control and they're made for business decisions. So try to put yourself in a position where you're not, um, your livelihood isn't connected to a business decision. Coach, I have a two part question for you. What advice would you give young coaches trying to get into the profession, but with limited options in terms of alignment? I know you continue to speak about that. And I know for someone like yourself, who's, you know, had 13 years of college experience um, and then obviously have, you know, phenomenal success before you are, you, you will be more of a hot commodity and have a better opportunity to be able to kind of pick and choose the next place you go. Mm-hmm. Most people won't, especially young people won't have that opportunity initially. So what advice would you give them in terms of um, alignment? And then, once you answer that one, answer this question for me as well. Over those 13 years of college coaching, what stumbling blocks have you seen black coaches mm-hmm. have to avoid within this profession? Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, first, first to answer the first question, um, alignment is, is, is everything, you know, it, it really is. It's, it's, it's alignment is everything. I think networking, there's an art to networking. I think it's really, really important. Um, I think young coaches uh, have to realize that um, that you, you got to gain experience and you can't Google experience. You, you can Google a lot of things, but you can't Google experience. So you have to be willing to gain that experience. You might have to go here um, and be the video coordinator uh, and then take another move in this position as director of basketball operations. But you always have to start with the end game in mind. And alignment is really important. One thing that I would suggest and recommend to anybody trying to get into profession is look and identify people um, that you aspire to, to be like, um, uh, whether it's as a coach or as a person, you know, their leadership style, their style of play, and then study them, you know, and then make strategic moves to get to know them um, and then start to navigate your career that way. Um, and, be authentic. Don't be trans, you know, transparent, you know, but be, um, and don't have transactional relationships. Try to have authentic relationships. So learn how to network because I really believe that a person's ability to network can eventually lead to their net worth. So if you can do that strategically, then alignment is really important because word of mouth uh, is really helpful in this business. So you want to make sure that you, you have a good reputation. So you want to guard your reputation um, and you want to make sure that you uh, are being strategic about the steps that you, that you make, you know, um, 
you know, don't, don't, don't try to, again, um, turn a, turn a, turn a, a square into a circle, you know, by cutting a lot of corners, you know, be, be, uh, you know, allow for, um, longevity to be your, your guiding, your guiding, your, your North star. So if, you, if longevity is important to you, then you'll take, you know, the right steps, the exponential steps to be successful. And what was your second question? Just what stumbling blocks you've seen black coaches have. Yeah. I think the, the, the stumbling blocks is allowing ourselves to be pigeonholed, uh, whether it be as starting off as just a recruiter, uh, but never, you know, doing anything other than recruiting. Then when you go for your next job and, and the first question that you're asked is, have you ever done a scouting report? And you got to answer that. No, I haven't. Well, then that's going to, that's going to knock you out of that position. You know, um, you know, so too oftentimes we just want to be on the floor so fast and, and in our attempt to be on the floor so fast, we want to skip steps. You know, I, I look back now and, and see uh, how people start in this business as directive operations. Well, guess what? If you start off as the directive operation in this business, not only are you getting to learn your organizational skills to, to manage your team, but you get to talk to future athletic, or you get to talk to the SWA, you get to talk to the sports administrators, and those people aspire to, to, to be athletic directors. And then when they become athletic directors, they, they remember you for, uh, you know, possibly remembering if you stay connected to them and you align yourself with them, they could bring you along in another capacity. And now you're diversifying yourself. You know, if you look at a video coordinator, video coordinators, they have the most access to the head coach. Because you're sitting down there and you're running the computer and you're listening to the coaches, you know, his philosophy, his thoughts as he's talking over, the, you know, the, the team that you're about to play. And if you're again, if you are uh, intrinsically motivated, you take those notes that you just heard and you keep them in a notebook. And then now you go talking in other circles and people think you're like a genius. You know, uh, but then you also are learning to see the game, you know, in a different way. Um, so you can continue to add another tool to your tool belt. Um, but when we just in our haste to want to hurry up and get on the coach or I mean, hurry up and get on the court and hurry up and get on the road recruiting, we, we're skipping valuable steps that, you know, become invaluable as we continue to navigate our coaching careers. So we kind of like eliminating ourselves. Um, when we allowed ourselves to be just labeled as this, I never wanted to, to, to be labeled as anything other than, you know, a teacher, educator, you know, coach, that's all, that's what I wanted to be, you know, leader, all encompassing leader. Wow. That's good stuff. Um, again, rewind that go back and listen to that. Cause that networking aspect and alignment is huge. Um, I want to, talk about what you said about um, one be alignment being everything. Um, and, you know, that's huge, especially when it comes to like being with people that has the best interest in you and who, who you can learn from. Um, you know, me being at the University of Kentucky right now and, you know, you know, people ask me all the time, when you going to get on the court, when you gonna, when you going to get on the court. And I look at them like, do you not see who I'm around every day? Like, I'm like, I get to learn from the most, which I think is the best assemble, best assembled women's basketball staff in the country. And I'm like, why would I go anywhere? Like, why would I be in a rush to just say that I'm on the court? Mm -hmm. um, and when I was, when I was a graduate assistant, I had wrote down in my journal, 
Um, you know, I was like, do I want to be an assistant coach or do I want to be, do I want to be an assistant coach next year? Or do I want to be a 23 year old assistant coach? Right. And the drive was, Ooh, I just want to be a 23 year old assistant coach. And then once I, once I asked myself that question, I was like, okay, well, what difference will it make from 23 or 26 or 27? Really what difference will it make? Um, especially when I'm seeing people who are older make mistakes that could be avoided if you just took your time. So um, I, I love what you said about that. And then when I asked myself that question, that opened up the idea for myself to, to want to be in an administrator or a support role, even though that role didn't exist yet, it opened up the idea for it so that when it did come, I'm like, oh, yes, University of Kentucky, Lynn Dunn, Kyra Elsie, Nia Buss, uh, Amber Smith, like, of course I'm going. Like, there's no question. And, I'm a, and I would stay as long as they would have me. One, because alignment is everything. And in learning, you know, that's the most important thing you can do because it doesn't matter what age you are, you can still make those th- those same mistakes. Absolutely. And, and the, the thing, uh, part of responsibility that, I, that I, I feel that we have, you know, again, as educators is, um, you know, we want to teach our, our student athletes to be professionals. You know, we don't want them to teach, we don't want to teach them how to become a pro. And if you think about that for a second, you know, in, in the, the word professional, there's 12 letters, you know, in the word you know, pro, there's three letters. So if you look at, you know, wanting to be a pro, you know, that's usually a first contract when they get to the next level. Okay. Well, in order to be a professional, when you have a career, you need to learn those other nine letters so you can have a 12 year career or longer. And if we're just teaching them how to become a pro, we're just teaching them how to get there, but we're not teaching them how to stay there. We're teaching them how to give them an opportunity. And don't get me wrong, you know, that oftentimes that opportunity, you know, comes with a lot of money. But we've seen enough athletes make enough mistakes that they don't get to the second contract. There's no sustainability of that wealth. Um, so teaching them how to become professionals will give them an opportunity to have a career. And I'm not just talking about an athletic career. I'm talking about whatever endeavor that they choose to go in to, you know, doctor, lawyer, teacher, whatever. Teach them how to be a professional and how to carry yourself as a professional more than just teaching them how to become a pro. Love that, love that. Um, And then especially even in coaching too, is like, you know, just because you are, just because you are on the court, just because you have an assistant coach title, that doesn't mean you are a professional, especially if you come straight from playing, if, if you come straight from playing. Yeah. So like for me, one thing that I am intentional about doing, I said, I need to learn how to be a professional, like forget getting on the court. I need to learn how to pro- manage my projects, um, you know, balance, you know, do the budget, whatever the case may be. I need to learn how to be a professional. So then, you know, when that time come and I'm a head coach and I'm smacked in the head, I'm not like, oh, it was because of everything but basketball. You know what I'm saying? Because you take the time to learn how to how to navigate a professional, like you said, a professional, a business before you, you know, focus on just getting on the court. Um, so, yeah, I love that. And I also love the fact when you said um, you said we eliminate ourselves when we was answering um, Nick's question about, you know, what struggles do black coaches have? Um, and I love that you said eliminate themselves because, you know, nobody says you're just a recruiter except you, you know what I'm saying? So um, it always kind of irritates me when I, when I see 
people putting that on themselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like who who's stopping you from from learning more? Your role might not be more, but you can you can be whatever you decide you want to be. Um, so I love that you said that. Um, with that, my question is, you know, when you know, when you get when you get let go and you get fired and then you have that quote unquote that stigma behind you, like, oh, you was with a staff that got let go and things like that. You know, anybody that's outside looking in can say that doesn't mean much. You know what I'm saying? But when you're in the profession, everybody that's attached to you, quote unquote, what would you say to a young a young coach who maybe just got fired for the first time or was a part of a staff that got fired? What what type of things should they be thinking to make sure they don't allow that stigma to be attached to them in their head? Like, forget what everybody else is saying, but what can they say to themselves to help them move on and to just focus on whatever the next endeavor is for them? Um, this is exactly what I, I, I say. That is an opportunity. That's a growth opportunity. Take your ego out of it. Yes, you've been bruised. Yes, you've been, you know, uh, you feel temporarily like you, you failed. All of that, you know, let them have those, let those emotions, you know, uh, run their gamut, but use it as a growth opportunity. Take the time to look at yourself and see where you could have been better and how you could have helped out more. Um, Or sometimes you realize that, you know what, this was totally out of my control. (laughs) And, uh, um, and then you tighten your circle up Um, and do you, you'll, you'll, you will quickly find out, you know, when you are receiving phone calls, are people calling to find out what happened or calling to find out how they can help you? And the sooner you can figure out the people that can, that are willing to help you, that circle becomes smaller. And that's the best day that ever could happen to you because you think that circle of all these phone calls that I'm getting, majority of those people are trying to find out, you know, uh, what happened? What, 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 something must've happened. No, you, 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 you you didn't get let go at Montverde. You, what what'd you do wrong? You know, they want, they want to find that, that, that information out. And then they want to figure out how they can get your job. <laughs> so, uh, but then when you find out and you get those phone calls from people that say, how can I, how can I help you? How can I, how can I help you get to your next, you know, opportunity? And it's a smaller circle and that's a great day. The other thing that I, I, I would say is that it's an opportunity for you to, to, study yourself and see what your negotiables are, what your non-negotiables are. And here's an example. When my wife and I were, uh, we were, we were let go at Pittsburgh and we were making our decision for our next move. Um, I was involved with um, South Florida. I was involved with Charlotte and I was involved with the university of Rhode Island. And I had a, I, I had a really good shot at all three of those jobs. No question in my mind. I really did a good job with Brian Gregory and, and developed a relationship with him. I knew Ron San- Sanchez really, really well, and I had a, a great opportunity with him as, as well. And then I knew Coach Cox and, and really felt I had a great opportunity here in Rhode Island. But my wife and I had to sit down, and we had to come up with three criteria. And, we, and I asked her before, I'll give you a little, bit, a little history. Uh, sitting in my living room, my wife and daughter, youngest daughter, I'm going to go down to Florida. They put them in the car. And I said, listen, we got to figure this thing out. What are the three things that, that we're looking for? And number one was we wanted to be on a staff that I had a prior relationship with the head coach. I had just come off the Pittsburgh staff. I didn't know uh, Kevin uh, Stallings that well. So I wanted to be on a staff where I knew 
the coach before. And I had known David Cox for over 15 years, watched him play at St. John's, followed his career at Women Mary, watched his coaching career come up through administrator in high school, all the way up to the now the head coach of Rhode Island. So one, that, that would check that box. Number two, I was looking for a program that had just had a, a level of success and then had the ability to sustain that level of success. David was taking over a program that he was instrumental here at Rhode Island that had success and went to uh, one AC, A10 um, regular season title and won an A10 tournament title, went to two NCAAs, won first round games. Danny Hurley gets a Connecticut job. Sustainable success uh, was clear. Um, so criteria number two was checked off the box. Number three, uh, because we had moved so much uh, from – Florida to Washington, D.C. for five years at George Washington and three years at, excuse me, uh, George Washington for two, Georgetown for three, and in two years at Pittsburgh, my, you know, now she's a, almost 11, your youngest daughter had lived in Florida, Washington, D.C., and Pittsburgh, so now when we made the move to here to Rhode Island, we wanted a quality of life. All three of those were, were those three boxes were checked, and it led us here to the University of Rhode Island, and I'm really happy that it did. But you have to, it comes with awareness. It comes with experience. We talked about this before. You, you can't Google experience. Some things you just have to go through and learn from, you know. And then you also you got to be wise enough to look at other people's mistakes and learn from them. Learn from their mistakes. You don't have to do the exact same thing and make the same mistakes that another person's made. Sometimes you got to look at other people's mistakes and be willing to say, you know what, you know, I, I see that mistake. I'm not going to try to make that one again. So I was just really strategic and intentional with our last move uh, from Pittsburgh to um, come to here at the University, University of Rhode Island. So that's what I would su suggest to and recommend as, in, as my advice to coaches. Uh, wanting to get in this profession. It's so funny that you that you ended your answer with kind of what I was gonna kind of ask you next. You know, in order to, in order to learn something, you got to go through something, right? And as you continue to talk, coach, you really talk. It really seems like you have a good control of your ego, right? I feel like you really have your ego kind of in check. Um, but I also know that we are human beings, right? And I know there are times where our ego still can get the best of us. Mm -hmm. Was there ever a moment where your ego defeated you? Nick, that's, that's, that's a big time question there. Uh, yeah, I, I would say, yes, there, there have been times where I, and I, and I call those times where I chase money. You know, I, I was in a good situation at Georgetown uh, growing up in that area. Uh, got a chance to work with John Thompson, the third phenomenal coach. Uh, Kevin Brodus was on that staff. He's the head coach of Morgan State University. Tavares Hardy was on that staff, and he's the head coach of Loyola. But more than important than anything else, I had access to, to, to big coach. John Thompson was there on a daily basis. Uh, and... And I took advantage of it, but I, in hindsight, did I take full advantage of it? I, I probably should have taken more. But I was there for three years, and I was got involved with the James Madison University job when it first when it, before they gave it to Lou Rowe, and 
the athletic director at the time said, you've done everything in this business, but the only thing that you haven't done, only rung at a ladder that you didn't, haven't touched is been a recruited in a power five conference and coached in a power five conference. So been in the power five. So then I said, okay, I want, you know, I really want this James Madison job. I'm alumni, you know, so I take that as a learning experience. Bam. University of Pittsburgh job opens up power five. I race there, race there. And it was more money. Okay. Big mistake, huge mistake. And one in which I, I, like I said earlier in this podcast, I'm not ever going to do again. I'm not going to chase money. You know, I'm going to be intentional about the things that I align myself with. So to answer your question, that, that is one where I let my ego uh, get out ahead of me. Um, So ever since then, I've learned from that experience. We were there for two years and I think, you know, in hindsight, which we all know has perfect vision, we were unsuccessful from the start. We were playing catch up from, from, from the start. So that, that's one time for, for sure that I allow my ego to uh, get out of alignment with, with who I am at, at the core of my core values. I hope I answered your question. Thank you for that. We appreciate you, you know, sharing that and being transparent here with us. Um, Two-part question for you. Um, what is the unique quality or talent um, that, that leads to a lot of your success um, you know, as a leader and as a coach. And also, when was that moment? It could be, it could have been college coach or at a high school level. When was that one moment when you realized, like, man, I could be good at this coaching thing? <laughs> you guys asked some really good questions. Um, I think my, my, my unique talents are um, my emotional intelligence, I, I am I'm in aware in an alignment with, with who I am and, and I've done the, the work of soul searching, you know, um, I'm grounded in my faith. I'm really fortunate enough that my wife is a truth teller um, and she is, you know, uh, so important to, to, to my development as a, you know, holistically. So she, she's, and so with that being said, I think my talents are that, I think my ability to, uh, connect with people. I, I, I think I do a really good job of connecting with people and understanding people. And then ultimately uh, I have the ability to put people and help people to move along in their careers. And I take a great deal of joy and satisfaction in helping people advance in their careers. Um, so um, I think those are my gifts and talents, you know, uh, from that standpoint. The second question was, when, when was that moment um, when you first got started coaching? It could be high school level or college level when you realized, like, man, I could be good at this coaching thing. You know what? I used to, it started very, very early. Um, like I told you before, I was commuting back and forth from James Madison University to coach my high school team. Um, and my high school coach, Stu Vetter, uh, gave me so much responsibility and he was so good at taking, allowing me to make mistakes um, and then pulling me to the side. And he was tremendous at uh, whispering criticism, but shouting praise. 
So it, it really helped me uh, understand what I was doing. And so I got bitten by the bug really, really early uh, to, to coaching and seeing the impact that we had. And then when I came back to coach with him on a full-time basis, uh, the very first uh, player that, that uh, I developed a strong relationship and I still have a strong relationship with is Randolph Childress. And Randolph Childress was uh, a rising junior and he was coming transferring from Gwynn Park where they had just won a state title. And I was coming out of college and we connected and we're really close to this day. Um, and I really identified with him. I saw a lot of myself in him and he saw a lot of himself in what he, in me. So we were kindred spirits from the beginning and we used, you know, player development to develop our relationship, our strong bond. And I saw through the hours that I put in with him developing and honing my skills as a coach and he helping me uh, develop workouts that were, that he couldn't master, you know, and if he did, I had to stay up later at night to develop drills that, that were tougher. And then I could see it transpire itself um, when he played in the game. And then everyone else started to see that. So I had that watershed moment, that epiphany, if you will, uh, early in my career to realize that, you know what, this is my calling. This is my, uh, you know, my landing spot. This is where I, I really feel most comfortable. And this is a, what, what God has blessed me with, this talent. That's awesome. Good stuff, good stuff. Um, I just want to let you know, there's one thing I, I love to say is wives save lives. So when you mentioned about having a wife that's a truth teller, you know, make sure y'all guys take notes out there, um, which you need to be successful. But uh, can, can you talk about you, you know, as you mentioned, you know, the self-awareness, emotional intelligence, things like that. That's a big, um, that's a big thing for you and something that you really, you know, continue to, to master and lean on and things like that. What are some, what are some things you've learned in that journey? What are some resources you kind of use to um, to hone in on that emotional intelligence and self-awareness? Yeah, I, I'm a I'm an avid reader, um, you know, so I try to, to read as much as I possibly can, you know, and with the access that we have now, it's just uh, it's just limitless. You know, um, I started off, I was just reading about coaching. Um, and about teams that won and, and how they went about winning. And then I, I, I moved on to leadership books. And then from, from there, uh, you know, it was always spiritual books. So those, those are the three types of you know, genres of books that I was really, and, you know, really, really enjoyed, you know, reading. And then my wife started to uh, share other books. I mean, one of the first books that she shared with me was, uh, Cheryl DeWick's book, uh, uh, Growth Mindset, and her, her school um, was reading it, and uh, so she had me read it, and it was a phenomenal book, and then we started, you know, branching off into different areas, uh, so emotional intelligence has become, there it is, and emotional intelligence started to become uh, a really big point, a point for me, uh, because again, uh, being at Montverde Academy, um, we had international students there. Uh, and one lesson that my wife taught me when she used to come watch practice was like, she would say, you, you do some really interesting things. However, they need to see you as a full human being before they'll totally buy into your teaching as a, as a coach. And 
again, it was another epiphany. That's when we started the host family program. We started putting players with host families uh, because it was a boarding school. So in she, we started with her friends and those people that we put with players with those parents, uh, student athletes that we put with their, those families are still connected today. And it just really all came together right then and there. And so I started expanding my readings, you know, from, you know, sports books, spiritual books and leadership books to different topics of, you know, uh, Brene Brown on vulnerability, um, you know, uh, like I said, emotional intelligence um, to, uh, just trying to trying to grasp as much as I possibly can. I, I read a lot of books. Uh, I, there's too many of them to to to, uh, to mention, but some of my favorite are "Make the Big Time Where You Are" by Frosty Westering. Um, I love all the books by John Gordon, Energy Bus. Um, his most recent book was uh, "The Garden for Me." Uh, he and Damon West uh, doing the coffee bean. Those are all tremendous books. Um, How full is your bucket? Uh, by Tom Rath is is another book that I, I I highly highly recommend, and then most most recently, um, Jerome Poo Allen has written a book when the alphabets come. Oh my goodness, unbelievable book! And then they tell me that this uh, is a young aspiring author that that you you know Nick pretty well. You know that that she has a book coming out. Uh, you know that that I think I'm gonna you know learn. Uh, I'm gonna get my hands on as soon as I can. You happen to know the name of that 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 book, Nick? Mine's mine's already pre-ordered. Okay. Mine's already pre-ordered. We need to we need to let the author we need to let the author talk. Yeah, about we need it to let the now. author author speak now, don't we? <laughs> I guess I could say a little something. Um, success is my major. Uh, start entitled, leave unforgettable, um, and there's, there's a lot about what we spoke about. Um, on this episode today is about getting rid of your ego, right? Every moment of life, every lesson that you need to learn. Um, may, a big reason why it's there is because of your ego. It's some type of entitlement that's getting in the way of you flourishing and you moving on to the next level of life. So um, you can go to www.successismymajor.com um, and grab that if you are interested in that. Trying to inspire um, a thousand people to um, invest in themselves uh, by the end of the year. So if you want to be a part of that, hit me up, hit me up. <laughs> Appreciate y'all. Before I wrap up, I just want to ask you one final question before I give you my last question. If you do not achieve the ultimate goal of becoming a head coach, with all the sacrifices that you've had to make, will it still be worth it to you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I, I uh, you know, that, again, the title doesn't, will never define me. Um, what I've been able to, you know, accomplish and, you know, through this game of basketball is all been a blessing and been a gift and handed to me from, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, if, if I never become a head coach, the only thing I'm ever want to hear is, well done, that good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. That you, now I'm going to make you rule over many. You know, I, I will never, ever, ever shed a tear if I never become a head coach because I, I have tried to do and be a humble servant to him to impact as many lives as I possibly can to raise up soldiers to, to, for his army through this game of basketball. I, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> I'll be fine. And I and I and the reason I ask you that question, coach, is simply because 
I know there are a lot of people out there that it, that that is their ultimate achievement is I want to be a head coach. And when you look at someone like yourself, and I'll be honest, you know, I, I can speak, I can only speak for myself. You would, you would only imagine why isn't he in that position, right? Mm-hmm. And we talked about it earlier. It's all God's timing. But I just love your answer because I do think at the end of the day is a title doesn't make you. And I think a lot of people in our profession, we get that confused. Um, whether we're in a support staff role, whether we're an assistant coach, we're on the role, whether we're a recruiting coordinator, the associate, you know, the associate head coach, that none of that matters because it's what you're doing while you're in that position. That, that, that that's what truly matters. Um, and you, you really have shown that and you spoke of that throughout this, this conversation. So um, I really appreciate everything you've shared. Um, we told you before we started, you know, our goal was to get to know Kevin Sutton, not the basketball coach, not the guy who's one, you know, has a ton of accolades, but the, the guy many people outside of probably your inner circle know. And I, and I think you've done a, a phenomenal job of, of sharing us your story, sharing with us your story, um, your journey, and even your testimony. And coach, that is truly um, for us the definition of black excellence. So with all that being said, coach, we we end it with this last question. As you continue to to live this beautiful life and, and continue to create your legacy by leaving wisdom in others, we placed you on our throne today. And we know that you're supposed to be there. This is what we feel. This is what we believe. Um, and, and, and you are black excellence to us. Um, and so we thank you for that. Thank but you. when you step off that, when you step off that that throne and you remove that crown to pass on to the next individual, what lasting message do you want to engrave in that crown to leave within them? Yeah, you know what, Nick, first and for first and foremost, thank you so much for, for having me. I have from the beginning have desired to be on this podcast more than any other, to be honest because I really truly believe in what you guys are, what, what you're both doing. And um, I'm humbled that, that, that we have had this opportunity to do it today. And I really appreciate the kind words that you just said. For me, um, I just hope that it's written on, 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 on my legacy as uh, uh, to leave a place better than you found it. And then secondly, I just want to live out the Bible passage, Luke 12, 48, to whom much is given as much is expected. And, and, and like I said it, you know, before, all I want to hear from God is well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Now I'm going to make you rule over many. Welcome into the kingdom of heaven. That's all I want. I want to thank you so, so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast episode. Um, I want to give a huge shout out to Rising Coaches for partnering with us and giving us this platform um, to share these amazing stories. Real quick, guys, if you are not a member of Rising Coaches and you are in the basketball profession, 
you want to coach, you're a seasoned coach, you're a beginning coach, it does not matter. I want to encourage you to check out Rising Coaches. Um, join Rising Coaches and become a member of the largest coaching tree in basketball. Over 1,300 members from all levels, high school to NBA, gain access to over 1,000 hours of coaching clinics um, and build genuine relationships with other coaches. Rising Coaches provides the community and the resources that will help you have long-term success in the coaching industry. Please visit Rising Coaches to join or if you got any questions, hit me up.